The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, please have a seat, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, one and all, ladies and gentlemen, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you, folks, it has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week for former president, the real Dim Shady. And things just got a little bit more worser. Because today, New York Attorney General Letitia James, who has been investigating the ex-president's business for three years, made a big announcement. I am announcing that today we are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. That sound means the ex-president just hit his 1,000th lawsuit. Johnny. Johnny, tell him what he's won. Continued freedom. There are no consequences. Cause and effect is a lie. We're nothing but clusters of matter hurtling through an indifferent universe. I'm going to go eat an entire sheet cake on my brand new dinette set from Broy Hill. Broy Hill, God is dead. Back to you, Steve. Thanks, Johnny. So, what crime did he crime this time? Bank fraud, allegedly. And repeatedly. <laughs> the president uh, would claim his properties were worth a lot more money than they actually were, so he could use them as collateral for huge loans he desperately needed from banks. And when it comes to faking the numbers, Letitia James isn't. She has the receipts, over 200 of them, including his company claiming that a dozen rent-stabilized apartments were worth more than $49.5 million when, in fact, they had been appraised at a combined $750,000. That is 65 times less money. And it's no surprise, the president is known for inflated assets. I'm guessing this press conference got the ex-prez rankled to his cankles because 
The one thing that he hates more than anything is people hearing he's not as rich as he claims he is. Case in point, James revealed his property at Mar-a-Lago has a value of $75 million. Not bad. But the ex-president had claimed it was worth $739 million. Well, of course, it's worth less now. The FBI took away all the most resellable documents. <laughs> so... They did. They enjoyed that. <laughs> they enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Enjoy the joke. <laughs> so what exactly is the family looking at in terms of punishment? Well, the attorney general has asked that a judge revoke the family's business certificate, bar the family from serving as an officer of any business in the state, and a five-year ban on the family from acquiring real estate or getting business loans from any company in New York. <laughs> so... <laughs> so... The family would be allowed to have a business, be on the board of a business, do real estate business, get business loans, or rock out to Bachman Turner Overdrives taking care of business. <laughs> and the girls are trying to look pretty. But that's not all. The attorney general was also wanting a little payback. Literally, she asked for the family to repay $250 million to lenders. <laughs> Long green, baby. Payback! Long ducks. To which the family said, What a coincidence. We have a 300 square foot studio apartment on Staten Island that's valued at exactly $250 million. <laughs> which, we also have a horse. <laughs> In closing, the Attorney General broke out the rhyming dictionary. Claiming you have money that you do not have does not amount to the art of the deal. It's the art of the steel. Okay. Pretty good. It's pretty good. But you gotta wonder, how long did the Attorney General's office work on that one? <laughs> art of the squeal? No, no, wait. Art of congeal? No, art of Shaquille O'Neal. Damn it! <laughs> Put on a pot of coffee. We're here till we get it. Right! <laughs> The legal news today isn't all bad for the former president. Some of it is extraordinarily terrible because he's still in big, big, big trouble for stealing a bunch of classified documents and using them to prop up the short leg of the Mar-a-Lago waffle station. <laughs> Here's uh, basically where things stand. Last week, a Florida judge who the former president appointed agreed to help him stall the DOJ by ruling that the classified documents should be reviewed by a special master, specifically... Judge Raymond Deary. And if you thought the term special master didn't come off as kinky enough, <laughs> meet special master Deary. <laughs> Sounds like an S&M grandma. I'm your special master now, Deary. Okay? You crawl into the red room of pain. You crawl. Listen here, worm. Listen here, worm. You crawl into the red room of pain and you lick the tennis balls on the bottom of my walker. <laughs> by orthotics. <laughs> Yesterday, Judge Deary grew impatient with the former president's lawyers, and here's why. The ex-president has repeatedly made public statements claiming that he had declassified the records, but neither he nor his lawyers ever made those same assertions in court where they could face penalties for lying. The DOJ, on the other hand, says all the documents are classified, pointing to the evidence that the documents all say 
classified. <laughs> so the judge straight up asked the ex-president's lawyers, are these declassified? And they said, we can't tell you if those classified documents are classified or declassified, and we can't tell you why we can't tell you, because it's classified. <laughs> judge Deary did not go for the whole not gonna answer you thing, saying, you can't have your cake and eat it. Well, hold on. In this case, that's not actually true, because at Mar-a-Lago, as soon as the ex-president finishes his piece of chocolate cake, what does he get? The most beautiful piece of chocolate cake that you've ever seen. With all this bad news, the ex-president needs, you know, a little pick-me-up. And apparently, he gets it out on the links, because we just learned from the New York Times' Maggie Haberman that ever since he's been out of office, a rotating cast of aides has been tasked with following him around the golf course and giving him positive reinforcement <laughs> from Twitter. That is just sad. That is no. so pathetic. Uh, uh, don't worry about the, the federal investigation, Mr. President, because it uh, looks like at Q Patriot Linda 845 says, you have much stronger arms than President Brandon, hashtag MAGA, hashtag not my little mermaid. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Wow. Really? You heard about that. You heard wow. about that little mermaid thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of people who flatter the former president, Vladimir Putin. Today, <laughs> Vlad announced a major escalation in his evasion of Ukraine in a rare address directly to the Russian people. Putin gave his address from what appears to be Russia's basement rec room, where he keeps his collection of used phones from 1987. <laughs> His big announcement was that Russia was calling up roughly 300,000 reservists, including men and women aged 18 to 60 years old. That might change the energy on the battlefield. <laughs> I'll uh, attack that hill in a second. I gotta finish today's wordle. <laughs> I'm gonna start with aioli. I'm starting with no crave. Damn it. I forgot my CPAP machine. Alexa. Set a reminder to get up three times to pee. <laughs> Putin is so desperate for reinforcements, he's resorted to sending volunteers to the front line with little training. You can spot the newbies right away, especially if they're driving a tank. <laughs> Putin's announcement seems to have really resonated with the Russian people because right after he spoke, flights leaving Russia sold out. And reportedly, Russian airlines have been ordered to stop selling tickets to Russian men aged 18 to 65. Hello? Hello, Ron DeSantis? I want to go to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> uh, duh. Uh, duh. Duh, yeah, yeah, duh. Duh, I'm Venezuelan. I have a great recipe for epinata. Is potato. <laughs> Putin. Putin's already trying to create. <laughs> Putin's already trying to create his army of the future. Last month, he restored a million ruble award established by Stalin in 1944 for women to give birth to 10 or more children called the Mother Heroin Award. Because after giving birth to 10 or more children, those mothers are gonna want some heroin. <laughs> but the mobilization was the lighter part of Putin's speech because he warned those who tried to blackmail us with nuclear weapons. 
should know that the prevailing winds can turn in their direction, adding, this is not a bluff. First of all, gulp. Second, people who aren't bluffing generally don't say, this is not a bluff. I want to play cards with that guy, because I think he's already lost a few hands of strip poker. Putin also... Sure. Putin... <laughs> Love his nipples. Putin... This is the BBC. Putin also announced he has plans to have the Russian-occupied parts of Ukraine hold imminent votes on joining Russia. And don't worry about mail-in ballots, because, reportedly, Russian officials would go door-to-door with the police to encourage people freed from Nazism to vote. Because nothing says free from Nazism like police banging on every door and going, open up, it's not the Nazis. Let us in and tell us how happy you are that we've invaded you or else we're going to give you a high-caliber I voted sticker. We've got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Olivia Wilde. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen... My first guest tonight is an actor and a director you know from Drinking Buddies, House, and Booksmart. Her new film that she has directed and stars in is Don't Worry, Darling. Boys and their toys. At least we know they're getting work done. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? I mean, I know what they say, you know, development of progressive materials, but sometimes Peter insinuates that they're actually making weapons and that it's all happening underground because Frank hey. discovered... Sorry. We're all here because we believe in the mission. Yes. We have jobs, too, that are just as important, just as vital what we do at home, supporting them, taking care of them. Without that, they couldn't be out there changing the world. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Olivia Wilde. There you go. Nice to see you again. Oh, it's so good to be here. It has been too long. I it's know. since, uh... Booksmart. Yeah, that was, was a year before COVID hit. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Ira Madu, which was like 12 years ago. I can't tell. <laughs> something like that. No There's one. There's no knows. time anymore. It has no meaning. Do you remember that when you were here, uh, we gave you a little director's chair? Of course, it's by my bed. Oh, still. I'm so glad. Yes. It was. It was to celebrate what an extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, a freshman offering from a new director that was. Yeah. You came out of the gate yeah. so beautifully with that movie. Oh, thank you. And I just wanted to say, people can have their own opinions about movies, yes. but I watched Don't Worry Darling, and I don't want to give anything away, obviously, because there's something to give away, which I don't want to do, but the way that you lay out this uh, concept, which is a concept that we've seen before, which mm -hmm. is sort of an unsettling utopia, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Uh, or a seductive dystopia. Yes. Um, is you do it with intrigue, uh, you do it with tension, um, and you do it in ways that I haven't seen before that are also funny. For instance, your character particularly <laughs> is very funny. She is. And really. anyway, it's laid out in a way I hadn't seen before. That it's absolutely intriguing and my first reaction of watching the movie was, well, it's no mistake what you did in Booksmart. Oh. You belong in that director's oh. chair. And congratulations on your second film. Thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot. Because you know? I know you worked on it for how long? Three years. Three years. We worked on Through this COVID? for three years. Yes, yeah, and, and it was a massive team effort. There were mm -hmm. so many of us who came together and pushed through, you know, challenge after challenge, but we're so proud of it. It's so exciting. Well, um, after working for three years on something like yeah. this, um, it, it m must be particularly frustrating to have people talking about a lot of things that aren't the film itself. Oh, are they? Really? <laughs> you haven't heard? Mm -mm. No, uh, there have been a lot of talk. These yeah. are the things that, um, yeah. uh, there were reports of feuds, right. people analyzing body language, <laughs> yes. private messages being released, yes. narratives and counter-narratives. Yes. Olivia Wilde, is there anything or nothing in that list you would like to clear up? Well, you know, it's kind of, it, it's interesting. The whole experience has sort of changed my way of thinking about the internet and how uh, we choose to interact with it or not. Uh -huh. But really it's kind of ironic because all of this is really what the film's about. The film is about the narratives we are fed and whether we choose to accept them mm -hmm. and, or question their sources. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you said, there were private messages that were released without context to try to uh, make a situation look like something that it wasn't. I, uh, early on in the process of making the film, as the director, I tried to mediate a, a, you know, a situation between people to try to see if they could work together happily. Mm -hmm. Once it became clear that it was not a tenable working relationship, I was given an ultimatum. I chose my actress, which I'm very happy I did. At the time, was I bummed that we weren't able to make it work? Sure. Did information about him come to light later that made me confident we made the right decision? Absolutely. Um, so just to be clear here, did you fire Shia LaBeouf? We had to replace Shia. He is a fantastic actor, but it wasn't gonna work. And you know, when, given, when he gave me the ultimatum of you know, him or Florence, I, I chose Florence and that was him feeling he was stepping away and me feeling like we were moving on without him. So are you saying, just to be clear here, yeah, because this yeah. is what people are parsing, okay? Yes, yes And please, I am a tribune clarity. of the people yes. to parse this. Yes. So are you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, yes. that he wouldn't do the movie 
in the way that you wanted him yeah, to, there was no and therefore he had to go, so he can say he quit, and yes. you fired him, and yes. both of you can think you're yeah, right? It's a question of semantics. No, I no, mean, but, but, but honest to God, is, yeah, is that yes, it? Like, absolutely. Like, you, it has to be this way, and he said, I can't do that, I'm leaving, and you yes. said, well, then you're fired? He said, well, then that's great, you go, and we shall move on. And, and it was that, you know, it wasn't going to move forward in the way that he wanted it to, and and so he had to leave. It, you know. So who controls the narrative of that story? Is it the star who gets to say they left, or the director who gets to say you're fired? Because that's a big struggle on movie sets. Who's in is, control? It the star the or the director? It happens, Olivia Wilde, I ask you. It happens all the time. I think you know, like every production, there's so many people who are in, who are out in the in the period of time leading up to any production. There's so many people who are in for a period and out for a period, and and it's all a matter of you know resolving conflict. And anyone who's ever dealt with conflict knows that there are levels to it before there's a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And in this case, everyone in the end ended up with what they wanted. He mm -hmm. didn't want to be a part of the production we were making in the way I like to make productions. Mm -hmm. And so he moved on. We moved on and replaced him and ended up with a cast that I'm so proud of in a movie that I'm really thrilled about. We have to take a quick break. Okay. We'll be right back with more Olivia Wilde. Stick around. <laughs> Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, we're back here with Olivia Wilde, director of Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pine is particularly seductively spooky. He is. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of portrayal of, of, a, of a cult leader that is at one and the same time very recognizable, but also attractive in ways that yeah. I don't expect. Like, and, and I hope you'll take this the right way. Um, being uh, something of a mid-century male, I would move to victory in Oh, minutes. that's exactly what I want you to feel. I would want to, and, I, and morally I wouldn't want to live there, but no. just in well, terms of my own point. appetites, yes. I would want to live yes. there in a second. That's Please don't whole, judge me. No, no, I don't judge you. I'm the same, which is even worse, because I'm a woman. I shouldn't want to live in 1950s. Who doesn't like a shark suit and a world. cold cocktail and an A-line dress? I mean, martinis for breakfast, like, why, why not? not? <laughs> but I think that the, the point of the movie is that. It's like... Who is actually brave enough to question a system that really works for them in a really amazing way? A comfortable world. We're all really good at being comfortable in bubbles. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were trying to kind of unpack. Well, and Florence Pugh's character, whose yes. name escapes me. Alice. Alice. Alice, well, a little through the looking glass there. <laughs> Alice. Alice goes down the rabbit hole, shall we say. Yes. And she she questions it. She it's does. A brilliant performance from She's Florence Pugh. She's sensational in this film. Mm -hmm. And it is about her being brave enough to listen to the brave people who've come before her, who everybody else has ignored, mm -hmm. and to trust her instincts 
And she um, is the one who's brave enough to dismantle the system that serves her. And she's a superhero. Mm -hmm. And Florence Pugh is the rare actress who is as good at like dramatic work as she is at action. Because there's some real action sequences in the film. And she has a run, which I always refer to as her Tom Cruise run, because it's like the most impressive run you've sure, ever seen. Sure. Okay, speaking of Florence Pugh, an amazing performance. Yes. Let's get to another question you shouldn't have to answer. <laughs> yes. People say you are feuding with Florence Pugh. Is there anything you want to say to that? I, no, the only thing I want to say to that is that another one of our weird rumors, Spitgate, which you might have heard about, <laughs> is I Harry think... Styles. Did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? No. Why or no, why not? Support did, your answer. He did not. But I think it's a perfect example of, like, people will look for drama anywhere they can. Mm -hmm. Harry did not spit on Chris, in fact. <laughs> but that... Only not, time will tell. <laughs> no, he, he really didn't. Well... He did. <laughs> We shall see. <laughs> no, we've seen it. We've seen Science it. Science isn't No. <laughs> and that is exactly what I mean, though. People can, can, can look at a video that shows evidence of someone not spitting on someone else, and they'll yeah. still see what they want to see. Sure. And that is the creation of drama. So and no, that is no, clickbait. no tension between you and Florence Pugh. I have nothing but respect for Florence's talent. She's fantastic. She's on the set of her movie, Dune, right now. Mm -hmm, right. And, like, there's nothing cooler than a busy actress. I have nothing against her in, for any reason. Okay. And, I do People think pointed that out that she was having an Aperol spritz during the press conference and didn't show up for it. They did point they that did out. They did point that out. No, I think what's funny is, like, I, I don't feel like my male directing colleagues are answering questions about their cast. I would agree with you, okay? <laughs> Here's the thing. Really You're right. Not. You're right. I think you're exactly right. Much in the same way that I want to go to victory, not on moral grounds, but on appetite rounds. Yes. These are not questions to give a, a, no. a director. They should be talking about the movie itself. That's but right. But these are the questions that have sort of yes. consumed this movie, and I am giving into an appetite by asking you these questions. Uh, yes, I fully understand. But I will also say this, is that we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the Hollywood sign, okay? It's, it's, it's 100 <laughs> years. Oh, yeah. Mostly male directors, almost entirely male directors for, the, for 100 right. years. Hollywood, for lack of a better word, is essentially a box of broken toys. Yes. You know, we, we all have our problems, but proverbially, male directors are absolute monsters. <laughs> and even if every rumor of your movie were true, it would be pretty light fare compared to Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you, thank you. Know, you. Or any thank of the great you. directors out there Truly. that we admire so much. Yes, and it's I don't really think, important. I don't think that a male director would be... It would be rumored. I wouldn't even have these questions no, because wouldn't. this wouldn't be swirling around no, this film. No, people would actually be talking about the movie itself. But, you know, they're praised for being tyrannical. They can be investigated time and time again. It still doesn't overtake conversations mm -hmm. of their actual talent or about the film themselves. Mm -hmm. This is something we've come to expect. It is just very different standards that are created for women and men in the world at large. Of course, we're not just talking about Hollywood. But, you know, I really feel like when people see this film, and I really hope that you do, they're going to find that we were trying to do something really ambitious, and a lot of people did a lot of hard work. You know what? We made a movie during the pandemic. That's like building a house in a hurricane. So we can handle a little Twitter storm. Like, we're all right. But it's very... Uh, it's very frustrating when people are, are sort of sidelining us in a way that I don't see them doing to, to men. But you know what? Like, the film is something that is a product of so much hard work, and we're just proud. We have to take a break, but uh, we'll be right back with more of the director of Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde, everybody. <laughs>
Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Olivia Wilde. Uh, Olivia Wilde. I want to talk about some of the hard work that you did, and that is directing yourself. Because, oh. as I said, you're a character in this, and you, you're a fun character in this. Yeah. Like, especially, I love the fact that this uh, young oh. lady right here, who yes. plays your daughter, is your daughter. She is my real right daughter. There. That's, That's Daisy. your daughter, Daisy, right there. And she was very good at playing my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, there's many funny lines of you yelling at your yeah. children off camera going, don't do that, don't hit her. Yeah, yeah, Whatever. exactly. Uh, was that a natural way that you speak to your own children? I was a little meaner in the movie than I would be to her. It was okay. like the drunk 1950s version of me, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, it was really great to have her there. And I really loved that she was seeing me in that light. You know, I thought, oh good, like somewhere subconsciously this is seeping in, that her mother is in charge and is supported by this awesome crew. In charge like, and performing in it. What is that like to direct yourself? I mean, it's insane. It was insane because I was also producing the movie. So it would be, you know, like acting the scene in a bikini, which just makes it weird, and sure. then getting up, like holding my daughter, running over to the monitor, talking to my DP, then the other producers telling me about like COVID shutdowns and all sorts of insanity, and then sitting down, calling action, doing it again. It was wild. Was there a particular type of scene that you enjoyed? Was it, was it a comedy or the suspense? Because there's some few moments there that do make your skin crawl. Yes. You're not sure what's about to happen in the yes. scene. All that stuff was so fun. I think my favorite stuff to direct were the action sequences, though. I love car chases. What I really want to do is like Fast is and Furious 45 or whatever what they're is, on. What's happening? Oh, there? yeah. that. OK, so this is, this is a rig called the biscuit rig, which is how you shoot high-speed car chases. And it's really fun. It's basically like the best Disneyland ride you can imagine. And I got to be whipped around as Florence was pretending to drive this amazing 60s Corvette and it was like the greatest day of my life week of my life and that made me realize that yeah I just want to direct like crazy action sequences <laughs> um, your character bunny yes. um, uh, has got hell of a pair of eyebrows um, is there <laughs> <laughs> she's a recognizable character she's sort of an archetype yes. of, of, of uh, mid-century uh, as I said, sort of an unsettling utopia is there an inspiration for her yes she's very much based on my grandmother Jean. Um, who was a really fabulous woman who was incredibly brilliant. And she largely lived to kind of create a very fabulous life for her family, it was a, mm. a wonderful wife, a very glamorous wife. But I always thought, you know, like she was very well educated, she studied poetry, she was very well read, but her existence, her existence was largely based around her husband. And I thought, you know, I wonder really what it would be like to get into her skin, because though I could kind of judge the lack of autonomy at the time, it also seemed like a really fabulous life. <laughs> like, they partied a lot. Yeah, they had better, they had better clothes than they did. They had better clothes. They dressed up to fly. We, I, I fly looking very bad. Just a lot of sweatpants. <laughs> so messy. But, you know, Jean was always fabulous. And I thought, okay, for a minute, I'll get to be as fabulous as Granny Jean. Anybody in the family recognize her in the performance? Oh, yeah, my siblings saw it the other night, and they were like, aha! <laughs> and it was great. And oh. I think that, you know, I think she would have been really proud of it. And I think, you know, if I had told her that I would be directing movies at this mm -hmm. scale, I, I think she wouldn't have 
believed that it was possible. So that's really cool. Well, what's next? What are you working on next? So many fun things. Um, I'm making a documentary now and a few projects are in development, but you know, it's been three years. I'm excited to just get this baby out. It's like I've been mm -hmm. pregnant for a thousand months. <laughs> I don't know how many months are in three years. Don't quiz me. Um, but then just to see it in theaters and just like have people own it on their own and, and then I will rest for a small period of time and get back in the game. Well, Olivia, it was lovely to see you. Thank you Thank so much you for being so here. Much. Thank you. Thank don't you. worry, darling is in theaters Friday. Olivia Wilde, everybody. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.